Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you decided to uh, join us this morning. Uh, You'll see some people like myself that are wearing uh, T-shirts, and this is because we are celebrating a baptism. And uh, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment where people recognize that Jesus has changed them and really brought them uh, from death uh, to life. And today we're going to celebrate huddled as close as possible to keep warm as we uh, celebrate with those uh, being baptized. And so I know you're here for this service, but we're going to be doing that after the second. If you want to come back, that will be at the Aquatic Center uh, just right after we wrap up. And so we're so glad you decided to uh, join us. We are in the middle of a series called From True to Real, and we're speaking about the things that um, are not only true in the scripture, but that are real to the point that it actually impacts the way that we live. And that's actually uh, how the Bible is supposed to be uh, for us, something that we learn, uh, we learn not only facts, but we learn the truth. And as that perspective gets in us and we put it into practice, uh, it becomes real. And the way that it moves from the head to the heart is through experience. And we've been walking through the book of 1 John uh, in the scriptures and highlighting key themes related to the experiences that God wants us to have so that we actually know that he's real and alive in the world and real and alive in in actually leading us uh, forward. Uh, But sometimes things can remain in truth and not get to real. That is, it stays in the ideas, but kind of doesn't get into action. Uh, For me, a lot of times that's represented in in health. Have you ever uh, hurt yourself and you think like, oh, I really need to do like better job stretching. Uh, That happens to me, like I can get like a bad back. And the time that I'm thinking about the back the most is when it's hurt. And I begin to make all these proclamations, like I'm going to power walk and I'm going to make sure my arms are wide and I'm going to do that every day and I'm going to do stretches. And then the pain subsides. And then I never think about those stretches or walking like that ever again until what? The pain comes back. Because oftentimes, just like as it relates to our health, we don't think about it until we have like this experience that reminds us there's a problem. And the same is true in the Christian life. There's oftentimes when we learn so much, but sometimes it's in the pressures that we we actually learn. And so what God wants to do is is not just wait for the trouble and pressures, but for us to learn through experience so that we continue every day to have those experiences where we join God in what he's doing. And today we're talking about a word and a subject of love that's probably one of the most used words or ideas in our language. In fact, every culture on every land on this world has a concept of love and what it is. We just celebrated Valentine's Day and we're inundated with with love and expressions of love and what that means. Uh, And the Christian church is actually, we have a duty to define love, to express love and to live it out so that the world and everyone who's looking on the outside, looking in can can actually see the church, can see the people uh, relating to each other and and be able to understand what love is by actually uh, watching. And so what I want to do is I want to read from 1 John multiple passages that highlight this this theme of love. And it's more than a theme, it's really this this command. And as you deal in the book of 1 John, again and again, it just keeps coming back to this belief that changes us so that it will cause us to act. And it's the same with love. We understand love so that we can put it into practice. And so what I want to do is just highlight uh, some passages. We're going to be jumping around. If you have your your scripture journal, you can open that. We're going to start in chapter 3. We've covered uh, chapters 1 and 2 and half of chapter 3, and we're going to dig in this morning to uh, chapter 3, verse 10. 
And it says this, by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then verse 11 says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And so the scriptures in 1 John related to love are actually really this, this picture of an experiment that you should be able to see who you live for and what your life is about by the way that you live. So again, your, your life is an expression of what's really going on. And that's the main idea of this, this love that, that John's talking about in the book of 1 John. It's this, is that loving others is evidence of a real faith. If you want to know if your faith is real, it'll always be expressed in love, loving evidence, or loving others is evidence of this, this real faith. And in that passage in verse 10 and 11, he uses a few phrases which are helpful, which I just want to highlight to set up what love is about. And he says, um, those that practice righteousness, this is how you know that you're a child of God, you, you practice a righteousness. And to practice righteousness is, again, not an idea, but it's actually speaking to the direction of your life. To practice righteousness means that you move in a direction where your choices, your attitude, your reactions really reflect the ways of God. And we don't do that perfectly. And when we mess up, we realize that we have to confess and get back to that track of, of practicing the righteousness of God, going in his direction, in, in his ways. And that means that, that we work on our sin patterns. We work on the problem areas of our life. We don't want to gloss over those. Uh, it also means that part of this practice of righteousness is that we, we engage in the fellowship of the church. We don't, we don't pull away. We want to actually build uh, the community. And what's helpful about this idea of practicing righteousness is it's not actually a perfection as, as we all, I'm sure, are comforted because we mess up all the time. There's not a day that goes by that I don't look and say, oh, you know what? I really didn't handle that the right way. Sometimes it's completely internal, the way that I'm responding with, with anxiety or with worry. And other times it's external, the way that I respond to somebody in a situation it's not right, and I mess up all the time. And so practicing righteousness for you and me does not mean practicing perfection. It actually is speaking to the direction of your life, like you're moving in a direction, and when you fall down, you, again, you confess, you, you clean it up, and with God's help, you move forward. But John is saying, like, listen, child, children of God, you'll be able to see it. Like, there'll be a distinction, and that distinction is in this righteousness that expresses itself uh, in love. And then John goes on in chapter 4, and notice how he builds his point. And John, again, is very direct. He doesn't pull punches. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. John, again, in 1 John, is speaking of this love that expresses itself. And that's this production of, of faith. You can see it. And he just talks about the importance of something that is seen that happens with brothers and sisters in the church makes this invisible God more real. And I want you just to kind of hold that there because this keeps coming up again and again in Scripture. People cannot see God. He's, he's spirit. Now, we have the expression of God in Christ, the incarnate, the one who came and dwelled here, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the invisible God is made known and made more clear by the visible people of God that love each other in a specific way. And I think that's a tremendous a reminder of the importance of the way that we treat each other, the importance of taking it seriously, the relationships that we have. It's real, it's concrete, 
evidence. And then John goes on, and I want to just get into some of the specifics of what this real love is evidence of. And real love involves this. First, sacrificial action. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes love, because of growing up in the culture and watching movies and listening to love songs, love can sometimes be this, this feeling, an idea that's expressed in a word like, I love you. But if anyone's ever asked you to do something, like I love you, and then they ask you, well, would you go get me some water? And you're sitting on the couch and you're really comfortable. And you're like, do I really want to do that? And oftentimes the answer is like, well, no, I, I don't want to. But that's when love is much more than a feeling. It actually is, is action. And notice it's sacrificial. And this is what John says in chapter three. We'll go back there. It says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us, that he's talking about Christ. He's the model. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So the sacrifice to do like Jesus did. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so what John is saying is, is the church has to be the leader in action of love. Not about you, it's way easier to just say it. Like, I love you. And what John is saying, well, if that's true, then you prove it by, by your actions. And the model is not ourselves because we can't do that ourselves because most of us, every day we struggle with just that, that selfishness and wanting things our own way. He says, listen, don't, don't look in the mirror, look at Jesus. And Jesus is the model. He laid his life down and we, we need to be like him. And so love always involves um, sacrificial action. Uh, in the church, uh, there's a few ways that this happens. What Cameron will be talking about in a moment is just ways that, that we can serve. Uh, and certainly we can love each other by service, by serving in the church. People who come early and stay late to serve so that this can happen, so that we can worship together. That's actually them laying down something that they have their time and their resources, their strength to serve and to help. That's a specific action that, that can be seen. So we, we love each other by serving on Sundays. We, we love each other also on Sundays by, by connecting and asking each other how we're doing and actually listening to the answer. Have you ever asked anyone how they're doing and by their response, you realize something is not right? but you're almost trained to just say, oh, good, good to hear. And they're like, oh, wait, I don't think things are good. In fact, they said it wasn't good. Now what do I do? But it's the idea of like, we want to engage with people. We want to meet them where they are, even in their hurts, even in their pains. We want to slow down. We want to, to help people. It's this idea of, of this, this heart of, of compassion. And we, we do that also by welcoming people who are new, who maybe are different than us, who don't look like us. We, we engage with them. We welcome them. We want them to discover Christ and his love. And they do that through, oftentimes, through what they see here. And so that happens just at church on a regular basis. It happens in our community groups as people meet needs. And then it happens during the week as we, we serve within the church. If you've ever been sick and somebody has reached out to you from the church just checking on you, like a text, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. That's a sacrificial action of love. It doesn't take much, but it, but it does help if you've ever been in that position. If someone's ever made you a meal because you're sick or brought you something, like 
That's a sacrificial action that, that actually expresses love. If you're stuck and somebody actually does slow down to pray and to help you and to follow up with you and ask you know, how you're doing and what you need help with, how they can help, that, that's a sacrificial way of love. If somebody's ever spoken the truth to you in love and shown you something that you could not see, maybe it was a blind spot in your own life, even that is a sacrificial love. Somebody's having a sacrifice, getting uncomfortable at times to speak the truth. Sometimes when we may not want to hear it, that's all love. And John says, listen, is if you have these things, but you, you close your heart, and the, the, the word of closing your heart is refuse to give compassion. Sacrificial love always chooses compassion, which is I will slow down and I will pause to see the opportunities that God presents. And I'm not just going to be so uh, set on my plan and my direction and my ideas that I miss those opportunities. And that, that's very difficult. It's very difficult to slow down. It's very difficult to, to stop and reflect, like, is there something happening in front of me with somebody that God has provided for me to engage in? Uh, we live in a culture, especially in the West, where it's like, you're not even sure you make eye contact with people anymore. And it could be very cold and very detached. But in the church, this should be a place where we, we actually connect. And there's a warmth here that exists and goes out into our neighborhoods, into our, our workplaces. And that's that type of sacrificial love. And it's our identity. It's who we are because of Christ. So it's sacrificial action. And real love also involves, and John builds on this, loyalty to Christ and loving people like he did. And I think this is one of the, the key distinctions of the Christian life. First John 3, it says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, love one another just as he commanded us. We believe in the name, and we believe in who Jesus is. And so the idea is we do not love uh, for us to get the recognition or the praise or for someone to, to look at us and say, well, look how loving you are. Look how uh, you serve and you help. It's really the idea of we want people to really skip over us to look at Christ who has shown us this way. We believe in him and this causes us to act uh, in this way. A very different kind of life, not for our own credit. We wanna point back to him. And then John again in chapter four, builds on what this looks like. And this is a, a few verses and it's just packed full. And so just kind of pause and think of stuff that stands out to you that starts in verse seven of chapter four. It says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is what? God is love. So what we're talking about is very important. God defined love. There would be no love in this world without God. Now, I just want to stop right there. Now, some of you, like there's a passage up here and I haven't read it all and you just want to read the rest. Just don't do that. I know it's so hard. But I, I, I want to speak to that important phrase, God is love. Because we live in a time now where everyone is searching for love, but the last place they look is God. The last place they even think it could be found is, is in the church. They will pursue any means to find the love that they were made to receive, but they will not turn to God. That could be for a variety of reasons. It could be a bad experience. It could be just a hard heart. It could be a stubbornness. It could be that they don't know. They've not heard. 
that if you want to know how you can make an impact in your world with the people that God has connected you with, it's that through your life, they can connect to the loving God that they've been searching for their whole life and they may not even know it. There is no love that's real and true outside of God and his church. You will not find it in a relationship, no matter how sweet it is. You won't find it in your family. You won't find it in your success. You won't find it in in your bank account. Like that cannot give you the love and worth that God has given. It's only found in him. And it's through him that the blessings of love compound and compound and compound over time. And so we, as the church and as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, you should have a confidence that is stronger than any other thing people place their confidence in, is that we know we're connected to the one who is love and allows us to experience that love and extend it to others. Now, if you didn't read verse nine, you can raise your hand. Okay, just kidding. Okay, verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, now, this is the importance. We believe in Christ. Why? Because God is love. And the way that we know this love is real is we see it. And who do we see it in? Jesus Christ. That's why we proclaim him. That's why we lift him up. That's why we focus on him. He came. He was made manifest. This love we now can see in the person of Jesus. And then verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means the atonement, really the sin offering. We were indebted because of our sin, because of our rebellion. And like we, we owed God justice and righteousness because we fell short. And Christ said, listen, I will pay what they owe. And he paid it with his life. That's what propitiation means. And then verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now notice this again, this unseen to seen. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. See that same, that it's, it's, it's not clear, it's unseen. Christ came, it was manifested. Through Christ, we're connected back to God. That love is now in us. And it's through the church, the people of God as they love, what is unseen is now seen. Now that's an amazing idea if you actually really deal in like the true and realness of that. What we do in our actions create the picture of God being real in the world. Like is this love in HD in our church? Like can people see it? It's clear, it's 4K, it is so nice, but is it, or is it like that, that old TV that you have? I don't know if you've ever seen like an old TV and you put it on, you're like, how did we ever watch TV? And like you're looking and it's blurry and then you see like the new TVs and it's so clear and it's crisp. You could see like blades of grass and you smell it, right? No, okay, you don't, you don't it's, it's so real. And, and what John is saying is it, it has to be that type of clarity. Like in the church, there's this love that's so real. People don't know what to do with it. Like they can't just, they can't escape it. It captures them. Because we believe in the God who sent his son so that we could experience that kind of love. It's actually an amazing thing. Francis Schaeffer, he was a, a thinker and an author. He, he said that, that love, specifically in, in the church, 
Love is the ultimate apologetic. Apologetic is defense of the Christian faith, like you defend your faith. And he says love is the ultimate defense that God is real. And I think about that, and that's very striking to me because oftentimes it's easy to get into uh, arguments or defending our position. But actually, people will actually know that it's real by, by the love that they see. That's a tremendous opportunity that we have. Love can be seen through Christ and then through the church, through God's, through God's people. So I want to get into some specifics, and, and this is for you. You have an assignment this week if you choose to accept it, okay? You're not ready to accept it yet because you don't know what it is, but I want to just encourage you in this. So the question is, given all of what we've talked about, the sacrificial action and this loyalty to Christ, the question is this, how do I love like Jesus? If he became manifest and now we can see this love and it's supposed to be in this church, in our relationships, in our homes, in everything that we do, like, well, how do I, how do, I do that? And so I want to give you an opportunity this week to get in the scripture on your own. I'm not going to spend time doing it right now, but for you to read it yourself and to look at the example of Jesus. And you can read in the New Testament the, the specific things that he did to, to express this love that, that we can model after him. And this is how Jesus loved. The first, uh, Jesus accepted people. Uh, to accept people means you, you meet them where they are. Now, acceptance in our culture means I accept you and everything that you do. That's actually not real love. Love always has to be connected to the truth. And so we meet people where they are. We accept them, but God's ways are true. And part of that acceptance is how do I help you connect to God and his ways? Because again, you will not find love outside of God and his ways. So acceptance, I meet you where you are. And I want to help you discover God and his ways. That's the church. It's this current that's moving in a direction to be more like Christ. But he modeled this, Matthew 9, 9 through 13. There's scripture you can read. But he continually met people where they are, and he kept challenging them and calling them to, to move forward. He was known as this person who hung out with sinners repeatedly. He was in the places that most didn't go. That acceptance is, is he knew that these are the people that needed the love of Christ. So he went to them, and then he called them forward into the light, out of the darkness, to experience the love that they've longed for. Jesus accepted people. Jesus also served people in, in action and words. He told them the truth. He loved them. He also met needs. Throughout the New Testament, you see the needs that he met to help the people, John 13, Luke 22, you can read that on your own. Jesus also, he forgave people. If you wanna love like Jesus, you, you have to forgive. He did that ultimately by dying on the cross for our sins. But even this, he was betrayed by one of his closest followers, Peter. Three times he was betrayed. He was just left by himself. These are the people that saw him, knew him more than anyone, and they, they, they turned their back on him. But he forgave. That's love. Forgiving people that have even hurt you. That's love. 
And then John, or in John 15, and we find also that, that Jesus, he, he befriended people. He got close to people. He let people know him and he knew them. And he befriended people that a lot of people wouldn't befriend. It's a reminder in the church, it's very easy to be uh, narrow in who we talk to or who we don't. It's very easy to get comfortable. In any church, it's easy to get comfortable with just the people that we know, but Christ calls us forward. How, how can we reach out to those people that, that need a friend, that, that need this expression of love? And so as I look at this list, it, it, it's challenging to me. It calls me forward. That's how it becomes real. If you want to know if it's real, it's in your acceptance. It's in your forgiveness. It's in your service. It's in how you, you forgive and befriend. It's in all these things. So this is something just on your own this week. Like, look at those, those passages. See the example of Jesus. And just say, Christ, how, how can I love like you this week with this person in this situation? And ask him to provide opportunities. Now, I will say this, it won't be most of the time opening your door and a rainbow appears and it's like, love here, and you're just looking, you're like, I'm gonna, it's gonna be when you least want to do it, when you're the most tired. That's how it happens a lot of times. Very inconvenient. There's those opportunities where it's like, you know, God, I have an opportunity to love like you in this instance when I don't want to. Will you help me? I wanna share just an example of somebody in my life who I think for me has probably been the most model of what it means to love like Jesus and to love like John is describing in 1 John. I wanna just share a little bit about my, my grandma, my grand Ruth. Uh, she's 98 years old. Here's a picture of her. Uh, this was from 2019 uh, when our family was able to visit her. And you could see, I, I just look at my kids, I'm like, man, they look really young. It's weird how they look so young and I do too, and I still look the exact same, right? Um, but the, my, my grand Ruth is, is really my hero, not because of uh, who she is, but because she repeatedly, again and again in her life, has pointed back to Jesus through her love. And she really has lived out the, these aspects. And so this is one of those things, she, she's still alive, but she's, she's on probably her last, her last days, and only the Lord knows how much time she has left. But I was thinking, oftentimes you give tribute to people, you know, after they, they've passed. But I was thinking, you know what, what better way to walk through what it means to love than to actually give tribute to somebody while, while they're still here? And so that's what I wanna do today without crying. <laughs> oh, that's true, but it's gonna be real in a moment. Okay. Um, let, me, let me just walk you through, through her life. Um, her life was filled with love, not because of the easy things. In fact, I think the love was really made real in her life because of, of hard things. Uh, she was married uh, for 10 years. Uh, she got married in... in uh, 1949, and in 1959, 10 years later, my, my granddad uh, asked her for divorce after he had been unfaithful. So married 10 years. She had two children, my mom and my uncle. Uh, she was left to raise her two children, and, and she really did so with an unwavering faith. She was 34 years old when this happened, when she was really left as a single mom. 
Uh, she worked at a dinner lady at a school, and then she did substitute teaching uh, before uh, she decided at the age of 42 that she needed to go back to school to get teacher training. So she went to a teacher training college. Uh, the law had changed. Uh, she couldn't teach anymore without doing this, and so she went back to school so she could continue uh, to provide uh, for, her, for her children. Around this time, as she went back to this school at the age of 42 as a single mom, uh, she felt a prompting from the Lord to serve him as a missionary. And she promised the Lord that she would do that when her children left home. Uh, this happened a lot sooner because my, my uncle went to live with uh, his father, my granddad, and my mom got married when she was barely 18. My mom actually wrote that and put an exclamation mark, which is funny because my mom's like, I was barely 18. I was like, yep, that's, that's true, mom. And so she was freed up sooner than, than she thought she was going to be. And so she used her teacher training and her love for Jesus and spread his love as a missionary from 1971 to 1985. She served in Eritrea and Beirut and Lebanon. And here's what's crazy. She was 47 years old when she left as a missionary, and she came back when she was 60. Now, here's some pictures. This is uh, from her in... Eritrea, and this was uh, many missionary children that she taught. And so she used her training and her passion for Jesus. I think that's her right there. Uh, here's another picture. This is a, a dear family. This was actually a, a high-ranking official in Eritrea that she had the opportunity to, to teach the children and got very close to. Uh, this is a picture of her in Lebanon on another uh, missionary trip with the people that she was reaching there. Now, it would easy, it'd be easy to say, like, you know, you, you love God and then you become a missionary and, and you leave. Uh, but, but it was actually so much more than that. Uh, upon returning home, again, at the age of 60, uh, she didn't retire from loving people or service. She served in her church faithfully for many decades, served widows. She had a list of people that she would visit on a weekly basis. So if you can imagine coming home at the age of 60, for many of us, it's kind of like, how do we wind up our time? And for her, it was like, how do I make the most of my time? I remember when I was about eight years old, and it's amazing just the lessons that you learn as a kid, and this is an encouragement to you, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, is give young people experiences and they will remember. That's how it becomes real. And I remember we were going to visit some people and I was hanging out with my grandma and I just did what she did. And we would visit the widows that she had on her list. And as eight years old, she just said, you're gonna meet some people that will repeat to you something that they've already said. Do not correct them. Because that wouldn't be helpful. And I remember just thinking, yes, grandma, I'd hear the same stories from the same people over and over again. But what my grandma was doing is you love them. You love them by showing up. and You don't need to correct them. You meet them where they are. That stuck with me all these years later. She was training me. Because of her commitment to service, she drove until she was 91 years old. And even when we'd visit her, in those later years, she would drive us around, serve us. 
Uh, this is a picture of her in her Sunday school class after returning from the mission field. She served faithfully in, in the church. I asked my mom, and I might say mum, because in England they're mums, M-U-M. That's the proper way. Um, I asked my, my mom just the ways that she loved people, and I, I just want to read some of the things that my mom said. Again, this is not about my grandma, but it's about, I don't know a greater picture that I could give you. And so this is some things that my mom said. She says, she always prayed for everyone she knows and all their family. She was a real prayer warrior. When she couldn't sleep, she'd pray through her church directly for everyone that was listed. She always invited people for Sunday lunch or tea, even when she had very little. Here's a picture of her. This is like the most quintessential British picture you could ever, like, <laughs> who would not want to go to tea with that woman, right? Uh, she opened her home for people to stay. Uh, she also bought extra biscuits. Biscuits are cookies. And my grandma always had extra biscuits. It was an amazing, she had like the Mary Poppins bag. Like she opened it up and it was like biscuits for this family and this family, this grandkid, this, you know, always did that. She brought sweets, sweets are, are candies to give to families at the church. She ordered and paid for 25 daily bread, daily readings to give to people every quarter. She just bought these little devotionals, paid for them and handed them out to people. Uh, she gave money for uh, petrol, for gas, for those that did voluntary work, people that were serving in the church. So you saw what they would do and she would pay just for them to have a little bit of gas so they could continue serving. Uh, she used to drive blind people to the blind association, other meetings. She took elderly people shopping, even when she herself was elderly. She always gave pocket money to all of us, even as adults. Um, she's the most generous woman I've ever met and probably had the least. It's amazing how that works. It's like the love of Christ compounded her resources. Uh, she would make sure there was, uh, the room was always ready at her place, um, just so the monthly church services where she was living that she needed to host, she was always ready. Um, this is how I remember my, my grandma. This is a picture of her with somebody from her church. I just love the, the look of joy on her face and the face of that woman. The last example I want to give is probably for me the most sacrificial. Later in, in my life, um, my granddad had died, who she was married to, her, her, her only husband. And then his second wife, my Nana, who's like my step-grandma, um, he married her two years after leaving my grandma. But later in life, she, my Nana began to suffer with, with Alzheimer's. In her last days, my grandma would visit her and take her out to lunch. You can imagine the woman that your husband left you for. And in the end, my grandma chose to, through her interests, aside to, to look for an opportunity to serve. My nana, in the end, she, you know, her days were winding down before she died. She says, if, if I could only choose one friend, she would choose my grandma. It's an amazing picture. And my Nana really didn't know and have a relationship with Christ as she saw it. 
through the life of my grandma. So I began to ask, just could you imagine a love like that to visiting the person who replaced you? Again, the only way that's possible is because of Jesus. She was saved by loving God and by the sweet grace of Jesus Christ. She always said that Jesus is her best friend. The reason I, I write this is, again, not to give her credit. She won't know that I'm even saying this. But it's to point the fact that that's the kind of life that I want to live and has been modeled to me. It's a tremendous example of no matter the stage of your life, you have an opportunity to love people. And it can change the lives of people as we love. She's longing to, to be with Christ now. If you've ever dealt with, with elderly people, a lot of times they get to a place where it's like they just long to be home, especially if they have a relationship with Christ. It makes all the difference in death. There's no fear. So she's longing to be with him. But her hope is that many would put their faith and hope in Jesus. That's why she gave her life to service and to love. She's also prayed regularly for our church. In fact, on a daily basis, she prayed for us as we were getting started and has continued to pray again and again that, that many people would come to know the Lord here and that our unity of our church would be strengthened. That's why I wanted to share this with you. It's not just a model for my life, but also she's connected to our church. She's praying for us even in these days. And I think we have a legacy of love that we can continue in through her example. So as I wrap up, I just want to encourage you uh, with a couple next steps. Second service, I'm bringing up a Kleenex. <laughs> just a heads up. Uh, first next step is to receive God's love through Christ and become a Christian. If, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, you cannot find this love that I'm describing. It's only through committing your life to Christ by giving your life to him, surrendering and saying, your will is my will. Your ways are my ways. I wanna live for you. I wanna receive your forgiveness. You've never done that. Now you can decide to do that today. And as we celebrate baptism, we're celebrating people that have said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going public with my faith. And then the second next step is I just wanna encourage you to take uh, action to love somebody. So take action to love that specific person by doing something specific. It could be serving them. It could be forgiving them. It could be slowing down to help, to listen. Just ask God to speak to you. God, will you show me somebody I can love this week? Make that your prayer and see what God does. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the love that we can see in the person of Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for defining love, for establishing love. Without you, there is no love in our lives on this earth. So we thank you for Christ, who's made a relationship with you possible through the forgiveness of our sins. God, we thank you for the example of people like my grandma and others that we know who have set a pace of loving others that calls us forward. God, will you show us people in our lives who we can love? Maybe it's people that we don't want to. Maybe it's people that we can't even see. But Lord, will you make us a church 
Call us forward to love like you have loved. Just show us the people in our lives that we can do this with. Help us to be willing to look silly, to take risks on behalf of a greater love. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.